This Women's History Month Encyclopedia Womanica is brought to you by Mercedes-Benz. Mercedes-Benz celebrates all women driving change and is indebted to those trailblazing women who punctuate the brand's history, like Bertha Benz and Evie Ruskvist. These women defied the odds to change the auto industry forever, and Mercedes-Benz applauds the tenacity and courage it takes to pave the road ahead. Listen along this month as we share the stories of inspiring women in charge and at the top of their fields, powered by Mercedes-Benz. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, and this is Encyclopedia Womanica. Today we're covering a barrier-breaking Surinamese businesswoman who challenged nearly all of the racial and gender norms of her day. A complicated character with a complex legacy, her life provides a rare glimpse into how colonized women lived and sometimes even thrived in places like 18th century Suriname. Until recently, her story was completely lost to history. Let's talk about Elizabeth Sampson. Elizabeth Sampson was born in 1715 in Paramarimbo, Suriname, which at the time was a Dutch colony. Her mother was a formerly enslaved person named Mariana, who was only allowed to emancipate a few of her children at first. Most of Elizabeth's many siblings were enslaved until they were later freed by one of her half-brothers. So Elizabeth narrowly escaped being born enslaved herself. With a lucky head start, Elizabeth was raised in the home of her half-sister and her half-sister's second husband. Elizabeth learned to read, write, and count while living with them. When Elizabeth was baptized at 10 years old, the church noted that she had an astounding knowledge of the Bible. While many of her siblings were never taught to read due to the fact that they were enslaved, Elizabeth not only had the privilege of an education, but showed incredible academic promise. Elizabeth's brother-in-law, who she lived with, was a captain in the Society of Suriname's army, and he also ran an importing business. He let Elizabeth in on some of his business secrets from an early age, and by 19 years old, she was helping him with his company and acquiring property of her own. Elizabeth used enslaved people to work her properties and grow her fortune, even though Elizabeth's own mother and siblings had themselves been enslaved. In 1736, Elizabeth was convicted of slander, which led to trouble with the colonial government for a number of years. She was forced into exile, but appealed the verdict in the Netherlands with the help of a lawyer hired by her brother-in-law. Finally, in 1739, she was allowed to return home to Suriname, where she quickly acquired two small plantations and started building capital. In her mid-twenties, Elizabeth started a romantic relationship with Carl Otto Krutz, an army cadet who came to Suriname in 1733 and started living with Elizabeth's sister and brother-in-law as well. In 1749, Carl received a 1,000-acre land grant to build a plantation. Since Elizabeth had the capital and labor from her ongoing ventures, the pair formed a business relationship as well. The next year, they created Plantation Clevia. Though the couple never married or had children, they grew rich and successful together. 
Elizabeth took on all of the business responsibilities, including managing finances and enslaved labor, as well as writing letters and handling negotiations. Carl and Elizabeth lived lavishly in a home with chandeliers, fine Japanese tea sets, and clothing made of the most expensive materials. After Carl passed away in 1762, Elizabeth soldiered on, taking control of Carl's half of the estate. She continued running the show with the help of her sister, Nanette. Elizabeth was enormously successful without the help of a husband. Still, she sought the social standing that came with being married. There was only one problem. Black women weren't allowed to marry white men in Suriname at the time, and all of Elizabeth's chosen suitors were white. In 1764, Elizabeth wrote to the Council of Policy and the governor, seeking permission to wed the man she had in mind. They rejected her request. But Elizabeth was never one to give up easily. She had her legal representatives in the Netherlands ask permission directly from the Society of Suriname. It took three years for the board to review her case, and Elizabeth's suitor died in the interim. But in 1767, Elizabeth received a letter stating that interracial marriage was now allowed. Elizabeth married right away to a new partner named Hermanus Daniel Zobre. This made her the first black woman in Suriname to marry a white man. While Elizabeth had waited for the decision on her marriage, she kept her business running smoothly and continued to acquire properties with her sister Nanette. They inherited two more plantations from another sister, and pooled their resources to purchase a third. They even commissioned their own ship, Miss Nanette and Miss Elizabeth, to perform shipments for their export business. Elizabeth had gained the marital status and business success that she'd always strived for. On April 21, 1771, Elizabeth passed away. She was buried with no headstone in Paramarimbo. Over the course of her lifetime, Elizabeth amassed a fortune of more than one million guilders in property and through exports. That's more than $180 million in today's currency. Most of this money went to her husband, who mortgaged the assets and fell into debt by the time he passed away. All month, we're talking about women in the driver's seat. For more on why we're doing what we're doing, check out our newsletter, Womanica Weekly. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Encyclopedia Womanica. Special thanks to Liz Kaplan, my favorite sister and co-creator. Talk to you tomorrow.